0: Proverbs chapter 8 beginning in verse 1 Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice She takes her stand on top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city at the entrance of the doors To you O man I call and my voice is to the sons of men O you simple ones understand prudence and you fools be of an understanding heart Listen For I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me kings reign, and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule, and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasures. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. When there was no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primeval dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters could not transgress his command, when he marked out the fountains of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world and my delight was with the sons of men. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise, and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, watching at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. Chapter 9 Wisdom has built her house, she has hewn out her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out with the highest places, from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, "'Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. "'Forsake foolishness and live, and go in the way of understanding.'" He who corrects a scoffer gets himself gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you will bear it alone. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing. She, for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by who go straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of hell. Let's pray together. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you, our lives to you. Jesus, you said, if, you, if we abide in your word, we're your disciples indeed. Lord, we want to continue in your word. We want to be students of yours. We want to be disciples that reflect you. That when people look at our lives, we look like you. Where we want our lives and our own selves, apart from you, to decrease. And we want you to increase in our lives. Use these verses to that end. We commit it to you by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Chapters 1 through 9 in the book of Proverbs is really as we've seen, we haven't got to 8 and 9 yet, but we've read them, but chapters 1 through 9 really are a tale of two women. We've been introduced to the immoral woman, but we've also been introduced more thoroughly, actually, throughout these chapters. We've been introduced in in a more thorough way to another woman, at least in a poetic way she's a woman, and that woman is wisdom. We have seen Solomon, by the Spirit, introduce us, specifically young men and also young women. It could be either one. Uh, And and so we've seen him introduce this woman, this superior woman, wisdom, and, and stressed and emphasized the importance of getting to know that woman and not knowing at all the other woman, the immoral woman, And so it's a study, as we've seen, in contrasts. The immoral woman leads to destruction, death, both physical and spiritual, and appears to be one thing, though God's honest with us that we are in our sinful nature attracted to to those qualities, and it's beyond us, apart from the Lord, to withstand or to resist those things that are drawing our sinful nature to her. But the end of going down that path is entirely different than what is advertised, so to speak, related to what she is saying. But the other woman, wisdom, she leads to life, as we've seen. She leads to protection. She leads to prosperity. She leads to health. She leads to physical and spiritual affluence. And and all those that seek her find her. And she appears to be one thing and ends up being different than expected, in a sense. Because we look at her, we look at wisdom, and it she looks great, she looks wonderful, but in, in reality, she's actually better than what she how she looks. That's why God's spending all these chapters telling us to get wisdom, to get wisdom, to seek after her at all costs, to get wisdom, because we don't value her like He knows the jewel that she is. And so she's it's deceptive in the sense that not that she's deceptive or God's deceptive, but it's deceptive in terms of how we perceive wisdom and we don't realize just how great she is. It's kind of like, you know, I just think of being married. I mean, with my wife. I mean, I had I knew it would be great, but man, I didn't realize it would be that amazing. I mean, that's just how it's been over all these years and I'm hoping she says the same thing. She may not. I don't know. It depends on how much, how much her allowance is, and you know that kind of thing. She's on the payroll uh, for to say nice things about me. But it, it's kind of like that, though. With wisdom, I mean, she's much better as you get to know her, and as you get to see how she helps you in life. She's way better than advertised. As much as we can see from a certain perspective, she's greater. And and but the other woman, it's it's she's worse infinitely worse it leads to destruction so today as we cover chapters 8 and 9 we'll see wisdom get more aggressive in her outreach than we've seen her before in these chapters she's going to get very aggressive she's going to get very proactive we talked about Jesus seeking and saving the lost going after the lost and it's the same way with wisdom she actively pursues people and she actually pursues and implores the simple, not just anybody, but the simple, to receive her and to and to take advantage of her benefits and and take advantage of all the things that come with valuing and implementing what she says. And it's really, if you look at it, in the essence of it, it's really God's heart on, on display. You get to see God really. I mean, you can in these verses that we'll look at you could actually substitute the word Jesus in there. Seeking after and seeking and wanting people to to come to him and all of that. And it's just God's voice because you can't really separate God's wisdom from God at all. And that's why we'll see here that from eternity past, wisdom was there because God was in in eternity past. It's beautiful. So let's start in verse 1, chapter 8. It says, Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. That's a very popular place, people's minds. There's a very specific place that he's referring to. Up on a high hill, two paths, where they cross. It's a very popular area. It's a very well-known area. Verse 3, she cries out by the gates, at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. And what God is saying is this wisdom, she is anywhere you might need her. She's at a common place up on a hill with paths crossed, but she's also at the gates of the city. She's everywhere. See, this is starting to touch on how aggressive she's pursuing people that are simple. She's going after them. The immoral woman can't go out and do that. She has her little hidden area. So that the, the, the simple man or woman that hasn't been enlightened by wisdom... When he or she gets too close to that path and then gets close to her gates, then they're kind of sucked into it, and it's in secret. That immoral woman doesn't go out and pronounce herself as who she really is and what she represents, because as we saw when we went through the chapter, she's presenting herself as religious, doing her duties and doing her her religious duty and all of that. She's portraying herself to be something different than what she actually is. That's the deception. That's... That's the danger. Verse 4, To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. So notice she says, To you, O men, I call. This is, a, this is, this is an outward thing. This is an aggressive thing. This is a proactive thing. She's not waiting for people to come to her. She's calling out there. And she notice she says, simple ones and fools there in verse five. She's referring back to the man, the young man that we've seen in the previous chapters, especially the last chapters that we looked at last week, in chapters six and seven. And she says, Listen, for I speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my lips will come right things. See, the immoral woman has deception, has lies. Remember all the things he we went through that the immoral woman said. But, but God's wisdom is excellent, and right things will come forth from, from her lips. The immoral woman's lips spew deception. Verse 7, for my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. So it says right there that will speak truth. My, For my mouth will speak truth. We should love the truth. That's why Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you or I tell you the truth. Literally, amen, amen, he says. And so we should value the truth. Wisdom, there's no deception, there's no darkness, there's no error in truth whatsoever. So we can completely trust God's word. We can truly trust all the places that God's wisdom is found because we don't have to worry about it not being completely true. That's why the enemy tries so hard to break our confidence in this book right here tries to break our confidence in. He's tried to break confidence in this word from the very beginning, from the Garden of Eden. He's tried to break against God's word. Has God said, casting doubt on God's word? Because we see here that all the words of my mouth are with righteousness. This book doesn't contain God's word. It is God's word. When you just say it contains it, that that, that speaks of a possibility that there are parts of it that aren't God's word. God's word is not in this book. It is, you know, Jesus said, thy word is truth. So it doesn't contain truth. It is truth. And we can completely trust it. And then he says, nothing crooked or perverse is in them. I love God's standard being as high as it is. And I bring this up a lot because all the places in this world, and it seems to be getting worse and worse and worse, Where else can we go to get the truth? That's why it grieves my heart so much that there's so many churches that are not teaching the Bible anymore. They're teaching self-help principles, many of them, with good intention. I'm not saying they have bad intentions. They're not trying to not teach God's word. It's bad models. It's whatever it is. I don't know all the reasons. I can't get into all of those things because I don't know their hearts and their minds. But I know that it's getting harder and harder to find Bible-teaching churches. And we need to have all of God's word taught and we need to devour God's word in our hearts on a daily basis Jesus said man does not live on bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God well we don't think we wouldn't think if we were going to eat once a week that we'd be healthy no one looks at me and says you're only eating once a week (laughs) you know no one says that so we can't just eat once a week spiritually and think that we're going to live on the level at the plane that God intends for us because we are called to live a supernatural life. It just reminds me of what Tony just explained. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. It's like all these things. God's working. I mean, we have to have that intake all the time for us to be able to to give it out and be ready and be tuned in to the things of the Spirit. There's one thing that we have that the world doesn't. We have the capacity to spiritually discern revelation. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, where we're told this. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom, and we're talking about wisdom, right? Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can we know them, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You remember reading God's word before you were a Christian? It's like, what is this? It's someone else's mail. You know, it's not to us then. It's not. The Gospel of John says that these things are written that you may trust in Jesus as the Savior. So, in that sense, yes, the Gospel was written. That gospel was written specifically for that purpose, but it was never intended for unbelievers to read. And people study the Bible. It's so funny, in religious classes in college, and college, oh yeah, I read the Bible and I studied it in my literature class. Totally different when you don't have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you who authored the book, explaining it to you, opening it up to you, opening up your spiritual eyes and understanding to it. And the whole, the whole point of that passage in 1 Corinthians 2 is that we're comparing spiritual to spiritual. We're weighing it out because we have the standard. We know what the standard is, so we can see. And I'm amazed at the amount of believers, and I've been amazed at it in my own life, that just believe things because they sound spiritual, because someone they respect said it, and it's not, it's, it's not in here. And you need to know this and live it, myself included, so that when someone says something and teaches something, we can say, I'm not seeing it in here, can you give me that verse for that? And that sometimes is very irritating to people. What do you mean where's my verse for that yeah you need a verse for that if you're binding that to me and making this to where i'm supposed to be doing the thing that you're saying you better have a verse for it and if you don't then i get to throw it away the apostle paul in act 17 commended the bereans because they tested what he was saying daily by the scriptures and he didn't say oh i'm above being tested i'm an apostle you're a b apostle i'm an apostle you can't question me and and uh you know he was not above that standard whatsoever. Verse 10. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all, notice the word all, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Very searching isn't it? What do we search after? What do we value? What do we, what's our priorities? Where do we spend our time? What do we spend our money on? What do we spend our whatever on it shows what we value it shows what we what we want and what we're seeking after that's why you know and and this is just a small part of it but that's why Jesus said where your treasure is there your heart will be also he didn't say where your heart is that your treasure will be he said where your treasure is that's where your heart will be you can't serve two masters. So we need to see this. And, and God, he loves to be able to encourage us that you're not going to find anything more valuable than wisdom. He's going to get into all the reasons why in a moment. God's wisdom comes through people as well that God has provided in our lives at specific points in time. You know, the scriptures say that in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. There's safety. And the wisdom that they are trying to communicate with us is a result, it isn't like it originated with them, it originated with God, of course, in his word, but they've lived God's word and they're wanting to pass that practical information on to us and we have to recognize who God's put into our lives. One of the things I've seen in my own life and other people's lives is the tragedy of missing out on a person or a group of people that have been placed in my life to help me and to direct me and I reject those very ones. God's sending messengers to me. He's sending people to me to help me and I'm rejecting them. We have to be very careful about that. We need to recognize who God is sending. He makes paths cross that are just flawless. All the leaders that I have had in my life, all the mentors, all the just so many people that... If I didn't have them in my life, I would be a completely different place right now. And God's so faithful to do it. Now, he's, in the next 16 verses, he's gonna, we're going to see the I, me, my. We're going to see the personal pronouns. We're going to see wisdom speak here in, a, in, in very straightforward language. In verse 12, we're told, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. Now, as a side note, I've shared my faith many times with Jehovah's Witnesses. And they like to say that, um, you know, wisdom, you know, when we're talking about certain verses and Jesus and all of that, that that's, it's, it's, you know, Jesus that's in here and all of that in a way where it's, they're not identifying it correctly. And so I always ask, well, if Jesus is, is personified in wisdom here, then who's prudence, who's hanging out? Because he's saying, I'm dwelling with prudence there. So who is that? And, And it, it, kind of stumbles them a little bit when we are able to get on the right scriptures but um just don't learn from my example just stick with the things when you're sharing your faith with them um and you'll you'll, you'll do well don't try to put jokes in there they're not funny then they're not funny now so okay verse 13 <laughs> the fear of the Lord is to hate evil pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate the fear of the Lord is to hate evil don't listen to anyone who says they have the fear of the Lord and they don't hate evil. Now we're told in Scripture, I've brought this up multiple times now since we've been in Proverbs, that it's, it's not even allowed for Christians to mention the things that those that are disobedient do in secret. We're not even supposed to utter those things. That's how far away he wants it from us. And look how far American Christianity is, is, has come, or gone, I should say. To where we're putting up with so many things, we're putting it, incorporating it in the church, we're being entertained by it, we're all these things. And God's standard doesn't change. It's still that high standard because God hasn't changed. He said, be holy for I am holy. The the standard of holiness is directly commensurate with who he is. And since he is immutable, he doesn't change. His standards of holiness do not change. And it's healthy for us to see that. We need to hate evil. We need to hate having a perverse mouth. You know, people say, "Oh, I got a mouth problem." No, Jesus said, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." We really have a heart problem. We take care of the heart problem, then the the mouth seems to line up. And of course, that's a never ending battle for all of us. We never completely arrive, obviously. But when we get our new bodies, there's not going to be any. There's not going to be. You're not going to hear any profanity in heaven. You're not going to hear any false, perverse things in in heaven whatsoever. Now look who counsel belongs to in verse 14. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me princes rule and nobles all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. So he's saying I give wisdom you know, we're told in scripture that God holds the heart of the king in his hand. So he's sovereignly guiding nations, kings, presidents, uh, prime ministers. He's directing all those things. He's working with their wills, of course, but he is directing those things. And he says, by those decisions, when they're right, that's because of me. So don't think that it, it's only limited to you, the simple, because he's talking to us, the simple. It's, limited. it's not limited to you. It's limited to everybody. I lead everybody that's in authority by my wisdom if they heed it. And he says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. That's true in the New Testament. Jesus echoed that, that we, if we seek after him, he will draw near to us. Verse 18, riches and honor are with me. Enduring riches and righteousness... Look at that. Enduring riches and righteousness. He's talking about the riches that prevail past this world and and the wealth. Yes, he blesses us financially, all those things, but the true riches. Jesus at one point said, if you are not faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will entrust you with true riches? He's talking about spiritual influence. He's talking about spiritual influence. Influence and, and and those riches because we're gonna get rewarded in the next life for all the faithfulness and all the things that we do and say and our motivations here. There's a judgment seat of Christ. It's not the great white throne judgment, only unbelievers are there. But there's a judgment seat of Christ that we're all gonna stand before. We're gonna stand before him, no one's gonna be there, we're not gonna have a lifeline. <laughs> we're not going to have a way to make call a friend and get the answer for our lives. We're going to be standing before him, looking into his eyes, and being able to give an account for our lives and the motivations on why we did what we did. It's very sobering to think about that. And it should search us by the Spirit, and, and he wants to do that. Verse 19, my fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasures. Now, we have to understand that obviously wealth is relative. I mean, the way that we live in our country is so much higher than so many other places in this world. So you can be at the lowest caste in India, and, and it's amazing hearing their, their testimonies of them coming to Christ. And they have little huts with, with dirt floors. And you see when the Holy Spirit comes into their lives and they're changed supernaturally. You see and then all of a sudden their little huts are in order now. They're not messy. They're doing things in a way that, that is, a, is a testimony to the other people around them. They're wealthy. They're living the abundant life. They don't have to have wealth as we think wealth to be living the abundant life. But it is relative. And so he, God knows that. And so we can, as we submit our lives to him, you notice it says, my fruit in verse 19. My fruit, the effects, the effects of living a life in a wise way, according to God's wisdom, is better than gold, better than fine gold, or choice silver. It's better than all those things. So, but how often do, do we catch ourselves you know, being envious of someone that's wise? Or we catch ourselves you know, um, coveting somebody's wisdom? It's usually those other things. It's usually the gold. It's the silver. It's the cars. It's the, all those things. And we have to be very careful because what we have in wisdom is far greater than those things. Notice he says in verse 22, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before His works of old, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. Wow, we usually think the beginning because we think of Genesis chapter one verse one: "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." We think that that's the only beginning. No, there's a beginning before that beginning, and you know, you think about God. We usually think about eternity in the future. And that, that goes beyond the vanishing point of our understanding. We can't fathom being able to have no end to something. That's why it's, when people say eternity is a long time, it's not really a true statement because long is a measurement term and you can't measure something that has no end. But we rarely think of eternity past. What was God doing before the earth was created? He was having fellowship with the Father. Jesus was having fellowship with the Father. We have no idea what was going on. It goes beyond the vanishing point, but he's saying that wisdom has existed far before anything we can imagine with this earth being created in the universe when there was just nothing, not even space, just nothing. We can't even comprehend that. Wisdom was there long before there was ever an earth. Verse 24, When there were no depths, I was brought forth when there was no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primeval dust of the world. You know, dust is interesting because most of us dislike dust and we have to, I think someone said 40 pounds of dust a year. Or is produced in our house and all of that but when you look at the dust and you look at what's needed to be able to have weather and the weather patterns dust is has a magnetic charge and it's involved in all those things and so if you hate dust i'm sorry but it's necessary but he's saying that before all of that before the fields before the earth before the very first dust that god created that he formed man out of were formed out of the dust uh the wisdom was there do, you know just prospering Verse 27, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, so he outlined the oceans. When he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the fountains of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world. And by delight was with the sons of men. He didn't say rejoicing in his uninhabited world. See, God made a world that's inhabited because he loves us. And he wanted fellowship with us. He wanted to have a relationship with us. And he says the verse 31, and my delight was with the sons of men. Wisdom delights in us. His wisdom delights to help us. God wants to make us all that we're called to be. And he's saying, if you ever doubt the, the proficiency of wisdom, just look at the creation. Because it was very specific how God made creation. He made, we think it all just happened by random chance and nothing plus nothing plus chance and time equaled all this obvious design. I don't have enough faith to believe that. Sorry. I haven't seen, as it's been said, I haven't seen too many tornadoes go through junkyards and make a 747. It just doesn't work that way. There's design. There's obvious design. Nobody goes to the beach and sees, you know, Jane loves John written out on the sand and said, wow, look what the waves did you know or look goes into a kitchen and sees a word spelled out on their alphabet cereal and think oh that just happened no my sister did that she's saying you know you're a rotten you know brother in the in my alphabet cereal or something like that i mean obviously when we have boundaries with a purpose that's what design is and we see that all around our creation but it wasn't just done by happenstance, it wasn't done by random chance. It was calculated by the wisdom of God. And that same wisdom is available to us. In James chapter 1, he says, especially in a trial, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God in faith. And God's what God's called us to do. So he wants us to have an increasing confidence in the wisdom of God and know that it's endless and how available it is to us to use. And that's why we should be feeding on this wisdom right here. Feeding on it. Devouring it. Going to Bible studies. Having devotions every day. Being consistent among God's people. Learning his word. Not just learning it intellectually but learning it experientially. When Jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free he used a word know that in Greek means to know by experience. You know you can know something intellectually and not have a clue it's like a single guy teaching a a marriage class you don't have a clue about marriage if you haven't been married before so we that's that's the equivalent of like head knowledge we can know what we taught in a classroom it's a whole other thing to you go out there and you have hands-on experience that's what jesus said you shall know the truth by experience and the truth shall set you free We have to know it by experience. That's what he wants. He wants to experience that abundant life. So you can never go wrong trusting in God's wisdom from eternity past, from the creation of the earth, before the creation of the earth, to the heavens, even down to his delight in the sons of men. There's no reason why we should ever doubt the proficiency of his wisdom. We can completely trust him. But we have to be able to be receiving it when we need to receive it. That's the problem. See, sometimes God's wisdom comes to me when I don't want it. (laughs) <laughs> well I'm not it's just telling me the opposite of what I want to hear and we do like the little kids do you know la, 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 la. I'm not listening I'm not listening we don't want to hear God's wisdom we love God's wisdom and we agree with it but when we don't agree with it we don't want to hear it and that's where we have to be open at all times to say, God, speak to me, whatever you want to speak to me about, I'm listening. When we have friends that take the risk of telling us something that's hard for them to say, we need to be open and willing to receive it because we all have blinders on. We all don't see a complete picture, especially when when pride's involved in our lives because we can't see our own pride sometimes. So we have to be very careful of that. Verse 32, "'Now therefore listen to me, my children, "'for blessed are those who keep my ways.'" See, it's not just hearing, it's doing. Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. See, we, we've been reading all about the immoral woman and her gates and her paths and all of that. And he's saying, No, that's not the right, that's not the right destination. The right destination is my gates, my paths, and all of that. And, and you shouldn't get anywhere near the other the other's uh, house or anything, but I'm wanting to bless you. Verse 35, Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Don't we want God's favor? We want God's favor in our life. We think that, well, I just have to be favorable. And if I'm just a certain way, if if I can earn that with God by my performance, then I'll earn that favor. And God says it's just so much easier than that. First of all, you already have my favor because you're my son, or you're my daughter. Our kids don't have to earn our favor. We love them unconditionally. Somehow we think it's different with God. If I'm not doing right spiritually, doing well, I think that somehow he doesn't love me anymore. It doesn't, it's not true. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. If we tried to make it our aim in life, to try to get him to not love us, we couldn't do it. But obviously, we, we walk in wisdom, we walk in obedience, then there's even more that he can bless us with. So he does bless obedience, but it's not limited to just obeying. We're also his children. So we need to value that and, and, and find out exactly what he wants. And so many of us are such great products of, of his wisdom. I just look at our lives. I hear our testimonies. You, know, you get to know people. You get to hear what's happened in their lives. And you just see their lives totally different. You know, this spring, I'll be celebrating 27 years of walking with Christ. I'm getting to go to, getting ready to go to my 30th high school um, graduation anniversary or whatever it's called. And, you know, I know there's gonna be people I haven't seen since then. They're gonna be sh- very shocked to hear what's happened with my life. But again, when you share those things, you're so quick to say, look, trust me, I don't have, you knew who I was. I have no wisdom in myself. But God has, He's changed me, and he's given me his wisdom. And, and so that's why Jesus said wisdom is justified by her children. The product of wisdom reflects back on how amazing wisdom is because he can't help but make that life into an appealing, attractable life. And it reflects. It's just like when you, any child, when you have a child that does really super well, it, it reflects back some, in some ways to the parents, because, they, because they, people recognize that, that that didn't just happen by accident. Now, we know that God's gracious and he blesses with kids that we shouldn't even have, you know, in terms of how great they are and all of that. But it's kind of the same thing. That's why he brings up wisdom is justified by our children because it shows how great wisdom is when we live the life that, that, that uh, wisdom um, instructs us to live. It's beautiful. Verse 36, But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. And those who hate me love death. So that there's, it's, it's, it's reflexive. You know, it's, it's, it's a two-edged sword. We can't be neutral. We can't be Switzerland when it comes to, 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 to wisdom. You know, Switzerland, always militarily has been neutral. We can't be neutral. We either love wisdom or we despise it because God has things that he wants us to do or not do all the time and we either listen to him or we don't. And so we don't. We, we have to be aggressively receiving it and acting on it and living it for those of us that want to live the abundant life he's called us to live. Chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars, which is common for building homes back then. She has slaughtered her meat. No vegetarians. It's not wise to not eat meat. I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, it says right there, slaughtered her meat. I mean... Uh, maybe she's immune to the effects of meat or whatever, if you believe meat's bad. She, hey, the, the priests had to eat the meat. They were commanded to eat the meat with the offerings and all that. So there's a whole other case to be made right there, but I'll move on. She has mixed her wine. She has also furnished her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries out from the highest places of the city, whoever is, is simple, let him turn in here. So just pause there for a moment. This shows her aggressiveness. Do you see this? Do you see how she's being a, 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 aggressive in the sense of she's being proactive? She's pursuing. She's going out. She's, this is a whole picture of making a feast and inviting people over. She's, she doesn't have anything to hide like the immoral woman does. The immoral woman can't announce it to the world and all that. It's all done in secret. It's all done in shame. It's all, you know, all those things. But the wisdom says, I am do it openly. I do it with I'll announce it to everybody. Everybody is invited. And look what um, she says there. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. That's us. We're the simple. We're not the wise people of this world. Maybe wise guys, uh, but we're not the wise men of this world. We can live far beyond our natural potential apart from Christ, because of the wisdom that God provides. If you're here today and you're looking at maybe how people have looked at you your whole life and they've thought, you know what, that that person's never going to amount to anything. Look what they've done. And you're thinking that somehow you're limited. You're not limited at all. Because God chooses the foolish things, us, in this world to confound the wise. So that when people look at our lives after he's had his work performed through us, that they see wow this has there has to be a god it's beautiful <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> jesus said in luke 10:21 it says this in that hour jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said i thank you father lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes even so father for so it seemed good in your sight Jesus thanked the Father that he revealed revelation to simple people like us. That we would value it and that we wouldn't be the ones that are all proud in our own knowledge. Those are the ones that they can't receive those things because, again, their their pride blinds them to receiving wisdom that's from above. I have a friend of mine. He's very, very smart. Very smart. And he is so confident in how much he researches things and how much he gets to the bottom of issues and all of that. And he's absolutely clueless with the things of the Lord because he is confident that he doesn't need God's revelation. But the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of of knowledge and all those things. So you have to humble yourself before him. Verse 5, Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed, forsake foolishness and live. So there is a forsaking we have to do. And go in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you there's a time to get involved in these discussions and there's a time where we're not supposed to get involved in those things Jesus said don't cast your pearls before swine there's a point at which we have to recognize by the spirit this is not going anywhere I've told them the truth I need to move on to somebody that is open to the things of the Lord and and God will give us those opportunities so we don't want to waste our time beyond what the spirits led us to do In communicating things to people that are not receptive to wisdom. Verse 9. Give instructions to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, how we respond to somebody giving us wisdom reveals how wise we are. If we reject it, then we're showing ourselves not wise. If we receive it and we're open to it and we're thankful for it, then we're revealing that we are wise. And that's true at any given moment in time. Because I could be totally receptive to wisdom on Thursday. And then when Friday comes, I could be completely unreceptive to it. And I don't want to hear anything about it. It requires our hearts to be settled before him every single day and say, Lord, whatever you want to speak to me about today, give me your revelation. Give me your wisdom. Wherever you have that source for me, I want to hear it. I want to listen. I want to appropriate your incredible wisdom. Verse 11, for by me, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you will bear it alone. So the primary purpose of wisdom in terms of or what practically what happens is that we receive it, we benefit from it. But it's the same with scoffing. We, if we scoff and we mock and all of that, we're going to bear the consequences of that. And we have, to, we have to get away from that. We need to flee from scoffing and mocking and, and all of that. Now in verse 13, kind of through the end of the um, chapter here, he's going to talk again about the foolish woman a little bit. He can't stop himself. Uh, He's going to talk about this immoral woman again and contrast again this woman of wisdom, metaphorically, and this immoral woman. Verse 13. A foolish woman is clamorous. She is simple and knows nothing, for she sits at the door of her house on a seat by the highest places of the city to call to those who pass by who go straight on their way Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. See, both women are inviting the simple. Did you see that? They're both inviting the simple. Wisdom says it can be better than you can possibly imagine, and she's correct. The other woman, the foolish woman, says, Come violate God's law because there's exceptions to it, and it leads to death. The world is so much like the immoral woman, isn't it? Because it's saying forbidden things taste the best. It's saying that secretive, sinful things are worth it, are pleasant. Just like she said, stolen water is sweet. Talking about the marriage relationship, because he's already talked about cisterns. Drink from your own well drink from your own cistern and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. It's all lies. When we watch the news and we see TV, and we see these celebrities who think we care about what they think about anything. I mean, talk about, they're, they're hypocrites anyway. They're professional hypocrites. They're actors, right? I don't want to listen to a professional hypocrite about anything. And they think their opinion is so important, but they portray these things in this this life that says it's okay and we're so archaic in our thinking and so dated and how can you study a book that's 3,000 years old when this passage that we're at is around 3,000 years old? How can that be relevant to life? Because we need to accept these things in the culture because it's getting in the way of our next evolutionary step and all these things are really okay. Stolen water is sweet. Bread, you need to do what's what you're what you want to do you need to do what makes you happy and if that means stolen water then so be it if it means you know bread eaten in secret that's completely fine because you decide what's best for you not anybody else including any old religious book and we reject it and God rejects it and God's going to have the final word in the end because every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father to say nothing of interrupting this world and having this, his tribulation time where he pours out his wrath on this earth. That's going to happen. And we're on the right side of truth. I've met many people on their deathbed. I've talked to them. Nobody looks back that served the Lord, that's obeyed the Lord, and looks back with regrets. It's the people that ignored God, that knew they wasted their lives, look back with Regret. And they have no confidence of the future. But those that have lived their lives completely wise, completely with God's wisdom, they look back and say, I am justified by wisdom. My life does reflect how amazing God's wisdom is. And that's why my life is how it is. And I'm going to tell you, nurse, and I'm going to tell you, doctor, and I'm going to tell you, and and at these you know what I mean, the people that make you go to sleep, anesthesiologists. I'm going to tell you, whoever comes to me, on my last breath, I'm leading her to Christ, I'm leading him to Christ, I'm talking, giving a verse to this person that thought they were going to get in here without getting anything from me, and they're getting something from me. I'm, I'm at the end of my life, I'm full of joy. You can't understand why. It's because God has made my life into a trophy of his grace. That's the life that he wants us to live, but we have to decide to do it now. We have to change the direction if we haven't been going that direction. And God will be faithful to lead us and guide us and give us great specificity on what changes need to be made in our lives so that we are living according to what he says he wants us to do. And it's a beautiful life. Notice verse 18, he ends there. But he does not know that the dead are there. So he's walking up to the door, sees this great, she's at the front of the house, goes that doesn't even have to knock she's right there she lets him in and all of a sudden it's full of corpses i think i have the wrong house and then the door shuts behind you and you can't get out that's like a nightmare that's something that we would think of in a horror story or whatever that's the reality that's the truth of it and it says that her guests are in the depths of hell now we don't talk about hell enough in the church pastors don't want to offend seekers So they don't say, talk about hell. Jesus talked way more about hell than he did heaven. And he warned, and I will never be ashamed to talk about hell. There is a hell. All those whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire, where the beast and the false prophet are. That's verbatim revelation. It's going to happen. Don't doubt God's word. Don't doubt Jesus. He said it. And we need to recognize that all the people that we care about that don't know Christ, they're one heartbeat away from going to hell forever without any second chance. Yes, I can't understand how that's possible, but Jesus said it. And we have to honor that. We have to recognize that. There's a path. Things lead to certain places. And, And this whole life of not living according to God's wisdom and living in rebellion to God leads somewhere. Again, God's the only one that tells us the truth about the end. And we need to heed that. We need to have that that message on the tip of our tongue for people. So both women are available for us. They're both available. One waits for you to make the wrong choices and to get too close to her. She's seductive. She lies. And her end is destruction. The other woman, wisdom, doesn't wait for you to come to her She's actively pursuing you and us. She's aggressively pursuing us. She's better than expected. And she loves to help the simple like us versus taking advantage of us, versus taking us captive. And she's been around a long time, even before the earth was created and all of that. And God used that wisdom to make all of this beautiful Creation And when he restores everything and makes a new heaven, a new earth, he'll be using his wisdom for that. And so we need to submit ourselves to that. Whose guest will we be? Which woman? Related to our lives and how we live our lives and all of that. Because once we receive Christ, we have to choose each day who we're going to go after. We're going to go after wisdom. We're going to go after all the things of our flesh that go against what God wants let's go after wisdom let's let him build our lives on its soundness and beauty let's listen to correction let's heed wise counsel let's recognize the ones that he's put in our lives to give us that wisdom that we so desperately need amen Amen. let's pray together father thank you for proverbs 8 and 9 thank you for all your wisdom far beyond what you have articulated in your word that we've seen so far We know that your wisdom is beyond our comprehension because we're finite and you're infinite. And Lord, we want to be completely surrendered to your word and to your wisdom. And Lord, I pray for anyone here that's been living a life of disobedience, willful disobedience to you. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would deal with them in a very profound way. Help them, encourage them that you are the God of hope that we know you to be and that you're gracious and that you love the repentant heart that turns back to you. Thank you, Father, that we can take one step away or 10,000 steps away, but only one step back to you. Encourage those that need to turn back to you today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.